Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. If you got your Bibles, I hope you do, I open them to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. This was actually the passage that I thought I was going to be using as a jumping off point for last week's kind of Thanksgiving message. I thought, thought I was going to talk a little bit about um, thanks, giving thanks in difficult times. Um, but then I, I felt compelled to go kind of a different way. If you were here last week, you know that. But I went back and did some more reading in this passage. And uh, one of the things that has I've been aware of is so many of you have been going through this is many of you have um, expressed feelings of kind of being battered by the storms of life. Uh, it's been a season at River Bluff where uh, we experienced a lot of, a, a lot of death, uh, people walking out of this life into uh, the life to come. And so uh, just kind of hearing that, I went back to uh, 2 Samuel 22 and, and kind of reread it and really felt like the Lord wanted me to kind of step into that this week. Uh, again, because so many people have been expressing feelings like, you know, I'm just barely holding on. Uh, I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, do, do any of you feel like this little guy right here? You know? It's kind of like, I don't think I want to let go, but I really don't want to crawl any higher. Uh, you know, just don't know what to do with this. Or, or what about this lady here? Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's from a commercial of a mom who didn't want to let her son go to college by himself. <laughs> I think that's what that's a clip from. And, uh, you know, she's just kind of hanging on, hanging on for, for, for dear life there. And, uh, you know, some of you relate to those guys, you know, uh, today. And so I want us to look at Second uh, Samuel chapter 22. Um, maybe, maybe with fresh eyes. Some of you are going to find out really quick that this is actually a song that David sang and wrote and most of you are saying well why isn't it in the Psalms why is it in 2nd Samuel um, it's kind of mirrored by Psalm 18 so if you want to find a Psalm that kind of kind of mirrors this um, maybe maybe it was a rewrite I don't know um, but it, it the, the kind of what I'll call the the rough cut version the studio version I think is in in 2nd Samuel chapter 22 and I'm going to read uh, from kind of some of the earlier verses there's like 51 verses we're not going to read all of those and I'm going to read today from um, the New Living Translation. I think it really captures that. We're going to skip around. We're going to start in verse 2. So if you're going to kind of follow along, you may want to start there. It says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. God is my rock in whom I find protection. Then in verse 5 it says, The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. Verse 7, But in my distress... I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried out to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then jump down to verse 17. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. And then verse 19. The Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. And I love this. Because he delights in me. He rescues you because he delights in you. This is the word of the Lord. Let, let me pray for us. God, we, we're grateful for your word. Uh, 
We pray now, God, that you would open our hearts to receive from you today. Holy Spirit, we just, we say to you, have unhindered sway in this place and in our hearts. Help us, God, hear from you in Christ's name. Amen. Over, over the past three or so weeks, I have been reading um, from an autobiography of a man that many have known as, uh, he was called the Prince of Preachers. Uh, his name is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And interestingly, what sent me there was a quote. Um, I, I went looking for the source of this quote that I had seen that I really just fell in love with. And I kind of discovered through um, kind of research that this had been credited to Charles Haddon Spurgeon, but most historians who really study his life and ministry um, will tell you he never said this. But I still love the quote. Here's the quote. It said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Now, the rock of ages is uh, another name for God. Uh, it comes out of a passage in Isaiah 26. The Amplified Version translates it this way, verse 4. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The rock of ages. So I, again, this statement, I just love it. The, I, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. One of the reasons I love it so is that song. How many of you remember the hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me? Good, good, good. Great, powerful hymn. It was one of my grandfather's favorites. I, I remember being a little kid watching my grandfather sing it. He sang it with conviction. He sang it because he loved it. And looking back now that I've seen this quote, I think it was because my grandfather learned to kiss the waves that threw him upon the rock of ages. And so this metaphor of this, this wave that's used here is to help us understand and relate to life's hardship and, and, and life's sufferings. That many, many times it's going to feel like waves are crashing down on you and if we look at them a little differently, we can understand that maybe those waves are going to crash us onto God himself. You know, I believe that would be something that God would want us, because I think the scripture holistically teaches this, that waves are going to come. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that you and I, we can learn to embrace the waves. We could learn to do what this statement says. We could learn to, to kiss the waves. Because the truth is, God is doing something in us during those moments that doesn't happen at other times in life. There's no other time that God can get to us. There are some things that God can only teach us in the waves that we don't get while reclining out by the pool. We just don't get it that way. And so when waves come, we need to figure out how do we embrace them. Because one of the things that waves will do is waves will just kind of help us discover both the power and the presence of God in deeper and significant waves than any other experience we have in life. And so even though Spurgeon didn't say it, I believe that he might repeat it today. Um, if he didn't. Here, here's the deal about Spurgeon that I've learned. He was a, he was a preacher in the 1800s. 
Um, he, uh, some, someone that I read stated that when he was at his prime in ministry, he was preaching 13 messages a week. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Blows me away to think about that. Just, just doing that. In his lifetime, he had unbelievable influence. Just incredible influence. But he also had unbelievable and incredible suffering. P personally. Spurgeon struggled with depression. Deep, deep depression. Some of you know what that's like. A debilitating depression that doesn't, doesn't just go away. It's not there for a week or two. It's there, it just lingers for years. He, he understood that. It was, it was a constant companion. His wife Susanna spent the last 25 years of their marriage bedridden. And he loved her dearly. He faced incredible opposition for some of what he preached. He spoke out very strongly against slavery in the United States. And he was, uh, he was persecuted because of it. He was beaten up because of it. Spurgeon, when he speaks out of suffering or about suffering, he speaks out of his own. One of the, one of the books that I, I read parts of so far is a little book. This was actually in his autobiography. It's a little book entitled The Checkbook of the Bank of Faith. It was a devotional that he wrote, a year-long devotional. And here's what he wrote in the preface to this devotional. He said, I have been cast into waters to swim in which but for God's upholding hand would have proved waters to drown in. I've endured tribulation for many flails. Sharp bodily pain succeeded mental depression. And this was accompanied both by bereavement and affliction in the person of one dear to me as life. He was talking about Susanna, his wife. He says, the waters rolled in continually, wave upon wave. I do not mention this to exact sympathy, but simply to let the reader see that I am no dry land sailor. I have traversed those oceans. I know the roll of the billows and the rush of the winds. Never were the promises of Jehovah so precious to me as at this hour. Some of them I never understood until now. Spurgeon was 53 years old when he wrote that. He died about four and a half years later at the age of 58. So when he's saying that he's not a dry land sailor, Coy would know what this means. Some of you other sailors would know what this means. This is, he, what he's saying is, I've experienced the waves. This is not theoretical, he's saying. He said, I, I understand this. And though, though he may not have actually spoken the words, I believe that he would nod an affirmation to this statement about kissing the waves that pushed him onto the rock of ages. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to think a little bit about waves. There are a few things that you and I can know about waves. And one of them is this. The first one is this. Waves will come. W waves, waves are just going to come. Suffering, sorrow is inevitable for all of us. Jesus in John 16 said to his disciples, In this world you will have tribulation. Some translations say trouble. You're going to have it. There's no getting around it. You know, if you hang out at the beach long enough, you, you, may, you may catch it. You may go for a week vacation to the beach and it, it may be glorious for a few days. But eventually, waves are going to come. Storm, storm's going to come up 
and you're going to experience some rough waves. Peter, when he was writing to Christians um, who were going through suffering, who were being persecuted for their faith, he wanted to talk to them because some of them were growing disillusioned. They were growing disillusioned in their faith because of hardships in life. You know, things hadn't turned out quite the way they had hoped and they were, they were starting to blame God for it. And so, so Peter writes into that. You know, he, he, he wants them to understand. They were thinking that, look, if God is on our side, you know, like if, if, if I'm on team Jesus, why do bad things happen? Why, why, why should that happen? Shouldn't the waters be calmer? Shouldn't the seas not be so rough? You know, when things aren't working out, what, what's, the, what's the deal here, God? So Peter writes to them and he says this in 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't, don't be surprised at this. Don't act like that just because you follow Jesus that somehow you're going to be exempt from suffering. Don't, don't, don't go there. Yes, we have the rock of ages. Yes, we have a sanctuary in the storm. Yes, we have the promise of eternal life. But in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to come. So don't be surprised. Because here's the deal. If you're not expecting it, if you're not ready for it, when it comes, it will be devastating. If you're, if you're not expecting it. So here's, I think there are a few reasons why we get caught off guard by, by the waves that hit us. I think uh, there are a couple of reasons the waves catch us off guard. The first one is this. Because we have unrealistic expectations. You weren't supposed to pay attention. Thank you. I just had to get that out. The, the first is this, we, the reason we get caught off guard by the waves is because we have unrealistic expectations. We have ideas of what life should look like and when it doesn't come out that way, you know. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. Maybe you just weren't expecting it. It just knocks your feet out from under you. Maybe, maybe it's a marriage challenge that somehow you were convinced that you were beyond that. It could happen to somebody else but never me. Or, or, or maybe it's an unexpected expense that came. Wave after wave after wave. Or, or maybe parenting. You thought it was going to be smooth sailing, calm seas, but it's been anything but that. And here's one of the things that I've heard so many times people say. I never saw it coming. I... I I just, I just never saw it coming. So Peter writes to Christians saying, warning them. This is what life is going to be like. Don't live with these unrealistic expectations. You know, one of the places unrealistic expectations show up a lot is with couples engaged, getting ready for their wedding. Shows up a lot with them. I, I've, I've done some premarital counseling with, with couples. And one of the things I try to do is warn them about the first six months, first year. Because that's a huge transition. And sometimes I look at them. I would be telling them, you know, kind of what to expect. And, and they'll look at me like, he's just so sweet, but he's clueless. <laughs> you know, that'll, that'll never happen to us. You know, we're, we're so far beyond that, you know. And... 
we're just going to be fine. Don't, don't sweat it, preach. You know, they're, they're just, just kind of that. And, um, and then the wedding day comes. And you know what happens on the wedding day? Expectations go even higher. I mean, they, they're, they're like off the, off the roof, you know. And the bride so, shows up. You know, she's been missing for about a week. No, nobody knows where she's at, been. You know, she's got this, this team of people that have been working on, like, this area. You know, job dropping lots of money on this. And, you know, she, she walks in and all eyes are on her, you know. And everybody in the room is thinking, that's the best that girl's ever going to look in her life. You know? But do you know who's not thinking that? You know who's not? The guy standing next to me. He's not thinking that. Here's what he's thinking. This is going to be every morning. And I just want to look at him and say, no way, bro. It just ain't, dude. You know? Six months in, she comes into the kitchen one morning. And he's got on a stained t-shirt, emanating odors she did not know could exist. <laughs> he didn't have those odors when they dated, you know. And now he's slurping his cereal. <laughs> you know, loud. And she's come out in... Uh, an outfit that looks like, if you could imagine, Little House on the Prairie, you know, sold bedwear, you know, kind of thing. And so she's sporting that, and which works out okay because she's got kind of dried zit cream on her face, so it just kind of, kind of matches, you know. And they pick up the fight that they left off the night before over money or in-laws or something, who knows what. And the wave comes. Because, because they didn't expect it. They, they were living with unrealistic expectations. They, di they didn't know. They, they, they weren't prepared. It, it's not that those experiences are so unusual. Those are common. But they weren't prepared. So it just knocks them off, off their feet. And that's what happens when waves come that, that you don't expect. They catch you off guard. Another reason I think that waves catch us off guard, not, not just because we live with unrealistic expectations, but I think it's because we live with an unbiblical theology. We don't have a biblically rooted theology, you know. Now some of us grew up being taught, and it may have been implicitly or explicitly, I don't know, but some of us grew up kind of being taught, you know, if you come to Jesus, life is just going to be good. All the time, you know. And you're never going to have problems. There'll never be struggles for you. You're never, just always up and to the right will be your life. And you find that when you hit a wave, you get disillusioned. First with your own faith maybe, and then eventually with God. And so Peter writing to brothers and sisters that he's wanting to warn, he tells them this back in verse 1. He says this, since Christ suffered physical pain... You must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. You, 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 you got to be ready to face this. See, you and I, we follow a suffering Savior. We, we follow this suffering servant Savior. 
And so we need to not be surprised when we have to suffer as well. Because the waves will come. They're going to come. But here's the second thing that I want you to know about waves. Okay? Second thing that I want you to know about waves. First, waves will come. But here's the second thing. Waves will stop. Waves will stop. There's a coming day when the waves are going to stop. They're just going to cease. Peter says, don't be surprised when they come. And here's what Peter says about the waves when they come. He says, instead, don't be surprised, verse 13, instead be very glad. He doesn't just say, endure it. You know, that's kind of, we, we get this mindset sometimes, I'll just endure. I'll just, I'll just hang on. Peter says, we need to be glad for them. And here's why. For these trials make you partners with Christ. Those desperate moments, they connect you to Jesus like nothing else on the planet can connect you to Jesus. Look what it says. It says they connect you with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the whole world. You'll recognize the glory of God. You'll recognize it when it gets displayed in this broken world. You will recognize it because you've walked in suffering with him. So it's kind of like Peter saying, okay, come on, let's get on the boat. Let's, let's huddle up. We're getting ready to set sail on this journey together and I just need you to know they're going to be rough seas. It's going to get bad out there. You're going to get hit by a couple of hurricanes or two. The wind's going to just come. The waters are going to be rough. Then there are going to be these moments when you just get hit by a rogue wave. Not in a storm, just you didn't see it coming. It's just going to, it's just going to knock you over. And it's going to be scary. And it's going to be difficult to recover. But... It won't last. Eventually, for those of us who are in Christ, we're going to arrive at that port called heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God. And, and the waves will stop. Some of you love this passage of Scripture. It's found in Revelation chapter 4. It's verse 6. And it's talking about the throne room of God. And it says this in verse 6, that in front of the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. As clear as crystal. And what it's talking about, there are not going to be any more of those rogue waves. There are not going to be those unexpected things. Some of you were here back in February. We did a, a message on heaven. And in that message, I encouraged you, spend more time thinking about heaven. Spend more time thinking about what it's going to be like there, what's going to be there. But also spend some time thinking about what's not going to be there. And so since that time, since February, I began making a list. And I have this running list that's on my phone of, of things that won't be in heaven. Okay, these are some things that will not be in heaven. I encourage you just to maybe start a list like this. I want to read my list to you. This week I added, waves will no longer be in heaven. But here's my list. There'll be no more political signs. No more politicians or political phone calls. No more elections. There'll, there'll be no more border walls. No more immigration caravans. No more immigrant families separated. There will be no Senate confirmation hearings. No more false accusations, no more need for hashtag me too, no more rape, no more human trafficking, no more co coercion. 
There will be no more casts. Now, somebody in the first service that I said cats. <laughs> There's going to be cats, the big ones, because, you know, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. But I'm still praying there will be no house cats. I'm sorry. I'm just praying it. You know, I'm not going to make a definitive statement. But I said no more casts. So no more crutches, no more wheelchairs, no more pacemakers, no more radiation or chemotherapy, no leukemia. No more breast cancer or prostate cancer. No more rejection. No more loneliness. No more divorce. No more depression. No more sex addictions. No more chemical addictions. No more plastic surgeons. Because there's no more love handles or saddlebags or cottage cheese thighs. Um, no more gender confusion. No more suicide bombers. No more mass shootings or school shootings. No more anxiety medication. No more middle-of-the-night phone calls. No more crosses next to the road. No more child abuse. No more abortion. No more racism. No more black lives matter or blue lives matter for they'll all matter for all time. No more coughs or colds. No more flu shots. No more acne. No more body odor. No more deodorant. No more deodorant stains. No more body hair where it shouldn't be. No more shaving or waxing. No more yelling or fighting. No more traffic. No more bad drivers or road rage. No more drama because there's no more hormones. No, it's on my list. No more crash diets. No more spanks. No more gossip. No more embarrassing moments, no more stubbed toes or concussions, no more doctors or needles, no more taxes, no more bills, no more mechanics, no more dentists, no more lawyers, no more funeral homes, no more orphanages, no more nursing homes, no more waiting rooms, no more treatment centers, no more courtrooms or divorce papers, no more pink slips or foreclosure notices, no more motionless ultrasounds, no more tiny caskets. No more tears. No more sorrow. The Bible says no more pain. No more waves. They'll be gone for all eternity. We won't exist in that environment any longer. And here's why. Because as Revelation chapter 21 tells us, it's because the one seated on the throne... The one, that throne that's got the, the, the glass, crystal glass sea in front of it. Because the one who is seated on the throne says this. Behold, I make all things new. No more waves. They're, they're, they're gone. They'll cease. But, but what do we do now? What do we do in the waves how do we learn to kiss the waves? How can, we, how can we face them and not just face them but embrace them? Surfers know how to do this. Surfers know how to kiss the waves. See, one of the things surfers have to do in order to go catch the good waves, they've got to get past kind of the breaker waves. And sometimes that can be difficult if waves are good today. And so they've learned this technique in which they really kind of kiss the waves. Watch this. 
paddle directly towards the wave and before it reaches you increase your speed. The right timing of the dive is all important here. If you dive too early, you will not manage to safely get under the wave. The following sequence of motions must be carried out in a smooth and fluid fashion and without delay. Grab your board at the height of the lower rib cage and put one foot on the tail. Stretch your arms and press the nose of the board under the water with all your strength. If you have pressed the nose to its maximum under the water, stretch the leg on the board completely and shift your body weight to the tail. As a reflex movement to pushing the nose down, your free foot will swing in the air. This is not at all bad because at the latest when the wave pushes this foot down, it's time to weight the tail again. At the deepest point of your dive, you release your foot from the board, stretch your arms, and push the board forwards. The current now flows under your board and suddenly and quite automatically pushes you upwards again to the water's surface. As soon as you are on the surface again, you must immediately paddle in the direction of the outside because the next wave is going to be waiting for you. How many of you now want a surfboard for Christmas? Nobody? That's how a surfer kisses the waves. They embrace them. They, go, they, they head for them. I love the instructor's voice here. He said, after you come out of one, what do you need to do? You need to paddle because another one's coming. There's another one coming. It'll push you back. You'll never, you'll never get out there to have the ride of your life unless you learn to kiss the waves. And God has this wonderful plan for us, for you and for me, to get to some of the great waves, but we got to learn to kiss the waves in the middle of that. Maybe the best biblical example for wave kissing that I know of actually is from a passage that I shared with you last week. It's from Habakkuk chapter 3. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, there's this description of great disappointment that leads to great despair. And Habakkuk says this in verse 17 of chapter 3, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crops fail and fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Now remember, this is in an agrarian culture. He, he's talking about, you know, wave after wave after wave of, of brokenness and pain and suffering. But then he gets to verse 18 and he says this, Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And here's why. Because the sovereign Lord is my strength. He's the rock of ages. The, the sovereign Lord is my strength. My hope is in, is in the rock of ages. And see, that's why we are able to worship in the midst of waves. That's why, that's why that's even possible. Now, I don't know how today you might paraphrase Habakkuk 3. I don't know if for you what you would say is even though I am unemployed. Or even though my spouse has broken my heart. Or even though my child 
is sick. Or even though everything in my life feels like a giant mess and my future is uncertain. Yet. Yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will worship because these waves, they're just going to push me onto the rock of ages. They're just going to push me right on. That, that's, why, that's why we can worship illogically. We, we can worship unreasonably. We can even worship in the middle of life's storms kind of with a defiant spirit. And I love the songs of worship that allow us to, to come to Jesus when life is most difficult. One of the things I love about life at the river is Pastor Terry and the worship team that constantly look to bring us new, new worship songs that help us get through the waves that lift us up in, in the midst of those so that we can see Jesus in the midst of those moments. And in a moment, we're going to worship again. We're going to worship together as we close our service. But before we do that, just because I know that there have been so many who have been kind of beaten and battered by waves that are a part of this church, we want to give you an opportunity to, to pause and pray. And you may want to do that where you're seated. Or you may want to come and be prayed for. And so in just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I've asked some folks, uh, some of our leaders in our church, to, to, to come forward to... Uh, to, to pray for you if you would like to be prayed for or with or over. And uh, so I'm going to ask those folks if they'll start making their, their way down front now. And um, we're just going to enter a, a time of prayer. I think Sean uh, is going to come and give us some music uh, kind of behind that. But if, if you just are at a place in your life, a season in your life where you feel like you've been kind of beaten by the waves and you're just saying you're, you want to cry out to the rock of ages and you want to be prayed for uh, with somebody we want to give you an opportunity to do that uh, you can just come and find one of these folks down front and, and we'll be glad to pray with you um, you can pray at your seat if you want to you can go one of the crosses if you want to but we're just going to take a few moments and we're going to have a, a time of prayer so let's, let's pray together Father God, we come giving you thanks for your goodness. We come, God, knowing that you are the rock of ages. You are our strong foundation. You are that place of strength in the storm. And we come knowing, God, your word tells us, we believe your word, that waves will come. But God, we want to be people who embrace the waves, who kiss the waves because those waves land your children on you, the rock of ages. So we come now, God, confident and strong in our worship. We come to give back to you through our tithes and offerings. We come give back to you our hearts with renewed commitments to follow you passionately, to celebrate your goodness even in the middle of those waves that come. We're finding ways, God, to thank you for the waves. Because they bring us to you. So we worship you now. In spirit and truth. It's in the name. It's above every other name Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11.30 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.